Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. And, and honestly, I got to tell you guys, we're a third of the way through the fantasy regular season, which is just bonkers to me. Harley, is it bonkers to you to think that that's how far we already are done with the fantasy um, season? A third of the way? A third of the what? What is a third of the way? I mean, come on. How is it October? How, how is it that we are gone with five weeks of the season no this is week five right now but still how did that happen Uh, you know what we blinked and for what it's worth it is october it's tuesday we're recording on a tuesday instead of a monday because last night i came down with a massive headache i don't usually get them but when i do i'm a big baby Um, it was bad enough that it would kind of probably feel like i got speared by fontes perfect and i wasn't able to suspend him but the commission did for me thank god so yeah, it was pretty egregious, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, so because of that, we got to see, well, I didn't because I saw maybe about half of it because of the medicine I took, but um, we got through a full Monday night, so we do have some information that we wouldn't normally have, um, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. So how did it feel kind of having the night off? Well, you know, I, it's never a night off for me. I'm, I still uh, was very, very active, particularly in the DFS front, playing a few of the primetime slates, which is actually a nice way to win some money on the side because uh, for people uh, every week I post the uh, daily dominator at huddle.com. It breaks down the uh, DFS millionaire slates for both FanDuel and DraftKings. But come week six, we're going to be adding a little twist to that because I'm also going to give you my primetime picks for the primetime slate, which is a great way to make some extra cash again. And it gives you a reason to stay up on Monday and actually watch a game that might otherwise mean nothing for your regular season games. There you go. So, you know what? Last week, we don't usually touch base on you know what we did the previous week in our DFS picks. I missed a few. Uh, Russ wasn't a, a worth, worth the pay up um, at quarterback. Keenan Allen flopped as a pay up for a wide receiver. But you know what? Nailed Tom Brady as a stay away. Um, Stafford was a pretty good value at quarterback. Eckler was great at a pay up, wasn't he? Um, Eckler was very good. And I think that uh, another thing to think about is I think we both had Terry McLaurin down as our we did. value play at receiver. Uh, again, check us out on Twitter on Sunday mornings. Look for me. I'm at Nuclear Harley because I will actually update some of those value plays. And if you follow me on Twitter uh, Sunday, I would have told you, OK, Terry McLaurin is not playing. Get him out of your lineup. And I recommended you switch over to a guy by the name of Dontrell Inman who is going to get the start for San, for San Diego. Drink, everyone, for Los Angeles uh, because Mike Williams was also out. Yep. 
Um, and you know what? We agreed on Dalvin saying to stay away from him, and that was worth staying away from. Um, you remember I said I was on the fence. Do I stay away from OBJ or, or Mike Evans? And I wound up staying away from Mike Evans, which was foolish. Um, OBJ would have been the better call. So kind of got that. I don't half. think anyone could have predicted what happened to OBJ this week. I no. still don't know what and happened. And you know what? I was at that game. I took my wife. We went to that game. And tell you what, though, he was responsible for an awful lot of passing yards for that offense with the coverage he was drawing and such. Um, and then, you know, you talked about McLaurin. Kelsey was a good day. He wasn't worth the stay away necessarily. And, and Disley was just – that was a punt that everybody was on, but he still hit and had a decent day. Exactly. It's, it's always fun to avoid the chalk play, but sometimes you have to have the chalk play because the chalk play is the chalk play for a good reason. Right, and you don't want everybody else to have it, and you wind up – you're chasing it at that point. so Especially on the smaller slates. Yep. And I'll tell you what else I want to chase right now. I want to chase over to the newsroom, and I want to throw it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Vontae's Perfect was suspended for the season for a helmet-to-helmet hit this past weekend. Am I the only one that thinks his penalty should be that he is forced to ram his helmet repeatedly into one of those supposedly unsafe old helmets worn by Antonio Brown? (laughs) Speaking of Antonio Brown, following his release by the Patriots, Brown reapplied at Central Michigan University, where he has signed up for the fall semester to take some online classes. Might I suggest to Mr. Brown that one of the classes he takes should be personal finance, since he won't be getting any more checks from the NFL. (laughs) Two more quarterbacks were knocked out of their respective games this past weekend, as Josh Allen and Mitchell Trubisky suffered injuries, shortening their days. In addition, Case Keenum was benched in favor of Dwayne Haskins midway through the Redskins game versus New York. With these changes, more than one-third of all presumed day one starters in the NFL at quarterback are questionable at best to start in their team's next game. At this pace, it is only a matter of weeks before we are once again forced to utter the phrase, starting quarterback, Nathan Peterman. (laughs) Melvin Gordon reported to the Chargers on Thursday, ending his season-to-date holdout. Due to an injury suffered by Justin Jackson, Gordon was forced to dress for Sunday's game, but he failed to play on any snaps. Considering how well Austin Eckler has performed to date, perhaps Gordon should get used to this role. (laughs) And finally, TJ Hawkinson scored a touchdown for Detroit, followed it up with a spike in the end zone, and then proceeded to get knocked out of the game due to an injury. Apparently, he is taking his Rob Gronkowski impersonation role way too seriously. This has been your BPN News Update. Man, that's cold. Hey, listen, we're going to get into that that Gordon Eckler thing a little bit later. Um, I got burned by it. I had Justin Jackson as a guy that I was going to play with Christian McCaffrey. I've got Gordon on the bench, and then I've got Madison as a backup, so... I was all set to play Jackson all week till he wound up being doubtful, and then Gordon was going to dress, and I was like, eh, who's going to have more upside? I expected him to get some you know, preseason work in the third, fourth quarter because it was Miami. No dice. Yeah. Well, and what made matters even worse is instead of actually giving him a couple snaps to kind of 
like loosened them up a little bit. They gave a a play that resulted in a touchdown to something called Tremaine Pope. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rub it in. Ouch. So, ouch, ouch, ouch. You know what? I'm, I'm shocked, and you probably didn't see this because if you didn't have the game, you wouldn't have seen it. But I've got a news part, news note I should have given you, and you could have added this. Um, it was about 90 degrees in Baltimore this weekend. Um, I actually tweeted at one point when I looked, and it was like 86, feels like 89. But I know it was 90, feels like 92 at some points of the game. Freddie Kitchens was on the sideline wearing a sweatshirt. <laughs> I was like, this was, it would have been great for you. I, talk, I tweeted something out and said, is this his way of the sweat my ass off diet or something like that? Like, it just didn't make any sense. I mean, it was hotter than I don't know what on Sunday. And the man had a full long sleeve hood on sweatshirt, not sleeves cut off like Belichick, sleeves down, hood down, the whole deal. Well, if you can't stand the heat, get rid of kitchens, right? Oh, look at that. Man, and as everybody should know, we don't plan this stuff ahead of time, so I had no idea Harley was coming with the corniness. That's what I'm here for, Steve. That's what I'm here for. Yep. So, hey, what we're going to do is tonight we'll finish with DFS like we usually do, um, but we're going to kind of get into a couple situations that I think fantasy owners are probably scratching their heads over, and we'll try to help you make heads or tails of the L.A. Chargers backfield situation with Eckler, Gordon, and Justin Jackson. And then also the um, Carolina offense, as well as the Steelers offense. Um, which one do you want to jump into first? Well, let's uh, take, for example, the team that played on Monday night, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sure. Uh, again, if people were following me on Twitter, they would have heard me say on Sunday that I actually was a huge proponent of starting Deontay Johnson as a cheap wide receiver three in your primetime only slate DFS lamps. And lo and behold, he had a good game. He did. 677 and one. Um, you know who didn't have a good game? James Washington. James Washington, the old college hookup that everybody was expecting. And then Juju Smith Schuster, three for 15. Not what you bank on out of a first or second round pick. Um, I would also argue that despite a good statistical game, James Conner didn't have a great game either. I actually would agree with you to some extent on that, honestly. Um, and then you had Jalen Samuels chipping in with the big night, with the you know wildcat stuff, et cetera. So here's the first question for you. I've heard people saying, oh, Pittsburgh's right back in the mix now. Um, pretender, or are they real? Well, they've got a lot of skill on their offense still. And Mason Rudolph has not looked completely lost under center, which is something we can say about some of the quarterbacks that are filling in for other quarterbacks right now. So, again, it's, it's a weaker division. Uh, still, obviously, they got to deal with Baltimore. They're, I don't think they're going to be able to catch Baltimore in the division. But I think there's still a chance that they could be the second-best team in that division, even with uh, the injury to Big Ben. Man, uh, here's what I have to say. Everybody and their mother expected them to beat Cincinnati in Pittsburgh. Cincinnati's horrible. Cincinnati's offensive line is horrible. The Steelers, yes. the Steelers ravaged that offensive line and, and racked up sacks, as they should have. So throw some cold water on people and wake up. I'm sorry, I still don't see the Steelers as a threat in this division or in the AFC. Sorry. Now, that doesn't mean that their fantasy players can't produce. Um, so let's talk about Juju Smith-Schuster first. 
And he had a poor night, and he only had four targets. And I'm going to tell you what I think that's a mechanism of, because if you look at it, most of Rudolph's throws are at or behind the line of scrimmage. They're all very quick, short things, right? Um, yes, and I think that uh, he really showed that in the first game, too, targeting Vance McDonald a lot before. Uh, of course, he was out uh, for this past week's game due sure. to the injury. But uh, and, even even this week, he, he targeted the backs a lot of the backfield. He targeted Nick Finette, the new acquiry at tight end a few times. Yep. So here's the thing. Juju Smith-Schuster probably on many of the passing looks is probably the first option you would have to think, right? Yes. So if you've got somebody like Rudolph who's a little bit second-guessing himself and he wants to make the quick decision and Juju's going to be drawing double coverage and top corners and stuff like that, if he's remotely looks like he's not the guy to go to, I think that's why he's seeing fewer looks right now. Or he's running longer developing routes and Rudolph can't get to him in the progression route right I I, t- I tend to agree but that also brings up the question that we should probably discuss is coming into the season there were a lot of people that considered Juju Smith-Schuster to be arguably wide receiver one or wide receiver two yep. from a dynasty standpoint now obviously Big Ben is promising that he is going to come back but have we maybe found out now? And certainly Juju looked okay previous years when Brown missed games. But do we truly see Smith-Schuster as a legit wide receiver one yes. for the future? Yes, and here's why. Because I think that you still see Rudolph develop as time goes on, and he'll get more comfortable, and hopefully that'll lead to better days for Juju, honestly. And you know Deontay Johnson had a good game, 77 total yards, six catches. But you know what? 43 of it came on one catch against a putrid Bengal secondary. Well, no, I think we can look it up, uh, or you might be able to look up here, but I do believe that despite Johnson's good line, that James Washington still played a higher percentage number of the snaps. I can tell you that in just a second, actually. Yes, I can. Um, but And here's the other thing, what I was going to say about Washington. We definitely know that he is running longer routes that take longer to develop and and if Mason's not taking those shots then that's why he's suffering right now he's another one I think that I don't call him a buy low because you can get him for free Um, but I do think that that chemistry will probably still come but it's more about when Rudolph starts to feel more comfortable than it is about what Washington's doing and I will tell you at the wide receiver position Juju played 43 snaps for 73% of the snaps um, Deontay played 37 for 63%, and James Washington actually played one more snap than Juju. He played 45. So, yes, he's playing snaps. And I think that, and again, this layman's look at it. It's only really a small sample. But that's where I think the issues are is that Rudolph isn't trusting it. A lot of it's going to go shorter to the tight ends and the backs and such. And as he becomes more comfortable, then we'll see that production raise for those wide receivers. Well, it's interesting we're talking about these wide receivers uh, getting better in that uh, situation for Pittsburgh because in that same game, Cincinnati lost another receiver of their own, making a popular pickup this week, I I might suggest for players, if if you haven't been, uh, if you didn't pay attention to the Monday night game, the guy to go out to get for Cincinnati, uh, Mr. Oh, geez, how can I remember his name now? Uh, Tate, right? Or Cole. Yeah. Austin Tate. Austin Tate, thank you. I was trying to remember the name, and I couldn't get off the top of my tongue there. Yep. That's understandable. We're old. 
Well, I was I think I was confusing him with last year's emergency play, Cody Core, not Cole. Gotcha. Who is now, I believe, with the Giants. That I don't know. I am double checking something though, just to make sure. And you said Tate, right? Yeah, Alden Tate. I said Austin. Alden Tate. Alden Tate. Thank you. Yes, he he is the guy that you're going to want to go out there. You're not going to have to spend a ton of your free agent budget on, but again, he will get the opportunity to start opposite Tyler Boyd for at least the next three to four weeks. And considering John Ross's injury history, it may be progressively longer. Yeah. Okay. So does that about do it for the Steelers situation, you think? I think so. I think that, again, we're we're kind of buying low on guys like Washington, and you can probably even buy low on Juju right now. Yeah, if you if you're going to have a chance to buy him, buy him now. Yeah, if you can do it. If you if you have him, don't. You, you need to sit on him and understand that it might be rough sledding for a few weeks. And then, of course, at running back, here's where we are. We don't know what's up with Connor's ankle right now. He says he's fine. There's a chance he's going to practice tomorrow. The week will bear out from the practice schedule what happens. If you don't own Jalen Samuels and you want to go get him, fine. Go do it. He'll have value in the short term, probably the next two to three weeks, maybe four. I doubt that it's longer than that unless Connor gets hurt. So at some point, if you do own him, you might want to try and sell him high. Well, and and I think a lot of people are familiar with James Connor's personal, personal history. Obvious the, guy, obvious the guy is a very tough, tough person. Uh, and so I think if anyone can play through an injury, it's going to be him. Yep. All right, so then let's talk about the um, situation out there in L.A. between with Eckler and now Gordon back. Of course, he was active. He probably shouldn't have been. It was all smoke more than likely. I fell for it. Cost me about 1.8 points, so that's okay. Um, does, does Eckler keep his role, or do you buy Anthony Lynn saying that Gordon was our starter for a reason and that's who, that's who he's going to be? Well, I think that uh, unless they've got a game plan in the next two weeks to find a trading partner for Melvin Gordon, which I just don't see there being one out there for him, I I think that it it behooves them to go back to what they did last year, which was really successful, which is Gordon was the primary ball carrier and Austin Eckler was the change of pace back. That's going to ultimately save some wear and tear on both of those guys as we approach the second half of the season. Now, Last year, both of those players were playable on a week-to-week basis because Austin Eckler was very valuable with all of his pass catching, and Gordon was a touchdown machine for most of the season. And while I still think Eckler is going to have value, if you can find somebody that will overpay for him, I'd sell him. Because I'd say the dream trade right now is sending Austin Eckler to the Juju Smith-Schuster owner for Juju Smith-Schuster. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't... I wouldn't blink at that. I, I agree. That's a great trade option there because Melvin's going to be involved. Now, if you're Melvin or a Melvin owner like I am, you're going to be gun-shy starting him this week. And you know what? If you have any other options, I know bye weeks have started. So yeah, I, I'm not going to start him this week, I don't think. I want to see him out there. I want to see him take some snaps before I play him at this point. Yeah, this is on bye this week. So, I mean, you haven't been playing. If you're Melvin Gordon owner, you haven't been playing him up to this point. So unless you really do have some sort of weird bye week issue this week with the two teams off, or maybe you suffered an injury, maybe you have Connor, right. you don't have Samuels, then may- maybe you consider starting him. But yeah, I think I, I'd wait a week on him just to make sure that this isn't all smoke and mirrors with him. Yep, I don't disagree on that. So that kind of wraps that situation up a little bit. I, look, Mike Williams will get back on the field. He'll be fine. You've got 
Keenan Allen, I'm not going to overreact to what happened there. Well, Phil Rivers, and, and Hunter Henry Rivers. should be back soon, too. Yeah, and he's a guy that I've got stashed on my IR, so if and when he comes back, I'll be glad to plug him back in the lineup. So, yeah, it's just the one, running backs. And like I said, if you can sell Eckler high, sell him high. Um, if not, they'll both have value, and you move forward, and it is what it is. Um, the, the odd man out will be Justin Jackson. He's injured right now. He's doubtful for this coming week, I believe, probably. But even so, his, his value is very limited at best. Exactly. So Carolina, the guy who has no question mark about his workload is Christian McCaffrey, other than maybe is his workload too heavy? Well, I was going to say uh, yes, but during the preseason, everyone was so hip on the idea that, well, Jordan Scarlett might get some touches here to to save some wear on Terran McCaffrey. But without Cam Newton under center – the team has to lean even heavily, more heavily yep. on Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, because Cam's not taking any of those those runs now. Um, I believe I saw somebody tweet that McCaffrey has like carried all but four running back snaps this year. Um, so, you know what? I'm not concerned about him with or without Cam Newton in the lineup. He's a stud. Move on. My question is, what do you do with your receiving core, your DJ Moore's and your Curtis Samuels with um, Allen in the lineup? Are you okay with both those guys? Samuel was the darling this preseason, and he has failed to put up. Um, I've been burned by him. So do we stick with him, or do we cut him loose? I don't think you can cut any of, the, uh, any of those two at uh, receiver. Uh, obviously, last week we saw a lot more from third receiver slot guy Jarius Wright. But I think a lot of that is because – during practices, yep. Jarius Wright has worked a lot more historically with Kyle Allen than Samuel and yep. DJ Moore got a chance to. DJ Moore is just very, very talented, though. I, I think, you, at least for him, I'm not concerned that his, his value is going to go down. I think his value is going to stay right where it was, and I think you still play him every week despite the fact that Allen's starting and not Newton. Samuel, on the other hand, can definitely go back to your bench, but I'm not cutting him yet. Nope, I agree. Put him to the bench. If you have to use him because of bye week issues, fine. Wait and see that he starts clicking before you start plugging him in as a flex. Um, I'm not giving up on him yet. That would take another three, four weeks, and then I'd probably cut the bait. So, now, I had mentioned how I was worried that I think that what's happening with the Steelers is that Mason Rudolph has to get more comfortable in the offense, etc. Um Allen has looked pretty good for the Panthers, quite honestly, in general. Um, I did not expect them to go on the road and beat Houston, and maybe they shouldn't have. Um, My question for you is, how do you feel about the quarterback situation in Carolina? And I think we probably could talk about quarterback situation in the league as it is because about a third of the league, even though we're a third of the way through through the season, um, fantasy season anyway, has different starters than what they start out started the season out expecting to have. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. There'll be 11 different quarterbacks slated to start this week that were not slated to be the starting quarterback for their team at the start of the season. Uh, Obviously, some of them were more dynamic changes like Andrew Luck's retirement and guys like Eli Manning being benched due to lack of talent. But again, we've had a lot of injuries and a lot of both freak injuries and also some weird injuries. I mean, we, we lost the starting quarterback for the Jets because he came down with mono. I mean, I, I don't remember when – I mean, 
it's been 20 plus years since I had mono. How about you? Uh, yep, I had it when I was a freshman in high school, so 1980-ish. Exactly. But then again, you've had the, the big injuries to guys like Drew Brees and Nick Foles, uh, Newton, who we've talked about, the foot, Big Ben going down for the season. Yeah. Th- those are quarterbacks that, I mean, all four of those quarterbacks would have been among the top 10 drafted in, in a league. They were all drafted to be starting quarterbacks in, in a one-quarterback league, let alone a two-quarterback situation. And you know what? Some teams, like the Jets, are on their third quarterback. Washington's could be, Washington could be on their third by the time we get to the midway point. Um, speaking of Washington, I have a question for you. Case Keenum got benched. Haskins went in. It's clear Jay Gruden does not want to go to Haskins yet for whatever reason, right? But Snyder is kind of forcing the hand. To me, tell me that this doesn't sound like we all have those friends where there was a guy and a girl and they were together and they broke up and they each want to make the other one's life miserable. So they date somebody else just to make that person jealous. And basically the, the collateral damage is the person that they reached out to, right? Well, totally. Isn't Haskins the collateral damage in all this? I mean, between Gruden and, and Snyder, they could ruin this kid before he gets started. So if you're going to fire Jake Gruden, fire him. If you want Haskins to be put in there, throw him to the Wolves, and throw him to the Wolves. I hear people saying, oh, you don't want to start him against the Patriots as his first. You know what? Maybe that's not a bad thing. Let him see the absolute worst of the worst and then learn from it instead of trying to coddle him. I don't know. All I know is that it's dysfunctional in Washington. Well, it's only going to get murkier, too, because it's looking more and more like Colt McCoy is trending towards being closer to play himself. So all of a sudden we might have a three-way situation there. Realistically, I I think they had to get Keenum out of the game last week, uh, just give Haskins some snaps just because, well, he was the second active quarterback last week. But also, I I wonder how much of that was the fact that uh, uh, Daniel Snyder pulling the strings because – they were facing the New York Giants, who were unveiling their own rookie quarterback, who a lot of people during the draft season thought that Mr. Haskins should have been drafted before Mr. Jones. That's possible. Danny's just a bad owner. That's all there is to it. That, that... But like you said, I think he's got a little bit of that uh, that childish uh, yeah. thinking in his mind, too, where maybe he's just like, well, I can't let the Giants – uh, look better me. than me. Yeah. So, and Bruce Allen's got to go as far as I'm concerned. Do it. Fire everybody. Fire the owner too. Screw it. So, okay, you want to go down the list of quarterbacks? You want to ask me some things about them, or what do you, how do you want to handle this segment before we move well, into the let, Let's just go down the list, and I will mention the quarterback that was slated to start the season. Yep. And the quarterback who is currently listed as the starter for this week. And you can tell me if either of those players has any value either in a redraft or in a dynasty format. Okay. Well, let's start with Washington, where we've been talking about uh, Case Keenum uh, was slated to be the starter at the start of the season. Even in the offseason, before they signed Keenum, there was talk that McCoy would be the starter at the start of the season. And now, of course, Haskins came in last week. Do, Do owners want any of these three? And if so, do any of them have value? Let me preface this by saying, of course, my zero quarterback theorem that people can still read up on the huddle. Um, you don't have to do much at quarterback, okay? You don't. majority of teams are going to win in spite of their quarterback, not because of them. So, But at the end of the day, in a single quarterback league, no, you don't have to worry about those guys. But you know what? If you had Aaron Rodgers and your waiver wire was picked dry and Rodgers went down with an injury in Week 10, yeah, you could pick one of those guys up and plug them in and you probably won't see anything change in your lineup. 
How about from a dynasty standpoint? Is Haskins, Haskins worth? Haskins got to be owned. Haskins worth it in dynasty mainly because of his legs, and I'm expecting that you'll get a new regime that's going to come into Washington and maybe do something with him. Okay, at the start of the year, the New York Giants, the other team we were just talking about, had Eli Manning under center. Now they've turned over the reins to Daniel Jones and. I'd say we've had mixed results for the first two games. Well, it's a small sample size. I wasn't sold on Jones. People are taking victory laps saying that you couldn't condemn the kid, blah, blah, blah. You know what? It's still too early. But um, from a dynasty standpoint, if you're in 14, 16 team leagues, yeah, he should be owned. Okay. In Miami, a team that's arguably tanking for Pass. to a boy. Pass. Doesn't even matter. Pass. <laughs> Is Josh Rosen worth owning? No. Okay. Thank you. Uh, a, a guy who got hurt this past week, uh, arguably on a cheap hit, Josh Allen in Buffalo. Yes. He is worth owning both in season long and dynasty um, because of what he does with his legs um, makes him extra valuable. But again. And I'm going to broach Matt Barkley because we all know that he is absolute yes, dung. Yes. I, I, uh, I saw that Matt Barkley was playing. I was like, is that. Some, somebody messed something up. Matt Barkley. Like, yeah, I was shocked. Well, now there's there's a chance that Sam Darnold might return in the next week or two for the New York Jets. For now, we're stuck with Luke Falk. Uh, and when I found out that Luke Falk came into the game in place of Trevor Simeon, I think I tried to look for Luke Falk in the My Fantasy League rankings, and I don't think I saw his name on the list. That's possible. Um, Falk, forget. And Darnold actually, I think, is a value. You could probably get him at a discount in Dynasty. And, yes, I think he should be owned, especially if you can get him for pennies on the dollar or cents on the dollar. He makes sense because I think that they do have some, you know, Robbie Anderson's going to be a nice piece. Herndon's coming back after this week. Um, he's not back after his four-game suspension because they had a bye week in there, so he's going to be out an extra week. Um, but, yeah, I think Darnold's worth it. And if you're in a deeper league or a two-quarterback league, even in – um, this year, stash him, get him ahead of the curve a week before he comes back, possibly. Well, so as we're talking about quarterbacks who were rookies a couple of years ago, how about Chicago, where uh, it sounds like uh, just a couple of weeks ago that Chicago fans were ready to show Mitchell Trubisky the door. And now he is hurt. He's going to miss a good portion of the season, it sounds like. And Chase Daniel came in and looked really, really good against the Vikings. Yeah, Chase isn't somebody you have to prioritize for this year. But if you're in, like I said, deep league, two-quarterback two league, yes, he's got value. Um, Mitchell's always going to be compared to those guys that were drafted after him, unfortunately. He is not those guys and maybe never will be. So Dynasty, you better be in a 16-team league if you own him. Otherwise, I don't think he's worth holding on to. I was going to say, I, I feel like I sense a lot of Blake Bortles and, and Bortles' spot in his class when you're talking about Mitch Trubisky. Yep, Bortles. Um, uh, guy down in Jacksonville, forgot his name that fast. Yeah, uh, Nick Foles. No, Blake, yeah, never mind, Blake. No. Oh. <laughs> well, okay, well, Nick Foles <laughs> is our next player of topic. Uh, he was signed to a fairly large contract to be the starting quarterback when they let Blake Bortles go, and uh, immediately he got hurt. And, of course, uh, everyone's favorite new play toy, Gardner Minshew, is under center, and he's looking like a gunslinger. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. No, I don't think Foles is worth owning. I feel bad for the guy. I really do. Um, he'll always be a legend in Philly. And um, Minshew, I'm going to give a free plug here to Rotoware. Have you seen the new Rotoware shirt that they have um, for the Jaguars logo? 
If you haven't, no. go look at it. I'm not going. That's all I'm going to say to everybody listening. You too, Harley. Even if you're not a Jaguars fan, go look at it. It's it's money. It really is. And the answer is yes. Minshew is somebody that you can use as a bi week replacement. I don't know that I'd want to rely on him week to week. Um, and in Dynasty, yeah, sure. If you can stash him on a rookie squad, see what happens when Foles comes back. Otherwise, no, take a pass. So uh, didn't the guys in New England take a quarterback in the sixth round a few years ago, kind of replaced another decent quarterback who got hurt and he had a pretty good career? Something like that. Is that what we should expect from Gardner Minshew? No, don't put those kind of shoes on him. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Cam Newton, we talked a little bit about the Panthers earlier. Uh, Kyle Allen has looked okay in his two play appearances, his two plate appearances. I'm watching baseball right now instead of football because we're not recording on Monday night. Right. So let me ask you a question. Did Kyle Allen supplant um, Kyler Murray somewhere? Yes. So that sounds very good. So but Ky- I was going to say, now, Kyle Allen also supplanted the rookie that – the Carolina Panthers had drafted to back up Cam Newton. Will Will Greer, right? Right. So what I'm going to say is, yeah, I mean, the kid's got some talent, and there's talent on the team. And here's the thing. Andrew Luck, nobody saw that coming. So does Cam, who is a pretty sharp guy and has all kinds of, you know, things that he can do from a you know, endorsement standpoint and stuff like that, does he just finally say, hey, I've had enough? Um, he's dealing with a Liz Frank injury. Liz Frank injuries used to end careers, basically, you know, for running backs and stuff like that. And I know Cam's a quarterback, but he's a running quarterback. So, yeah, I think Allen's a must-own. Well, and from a dynasty standpoint, does it behoove dynasty owners to own Kyle Allen, or should they invest more heavily in Greer? No, I, I, if you have a, a rookie squad, you can stash Greer on fine. But no, I, I prioritize Allen. I think that he's worth it. He's shown that... Hey, look, he threw four touchdown passes. He, the team seems to believe in him, and let's see what happens with Cam. Okay, we touched briefly on Big Ben earlier during the Pittsburgh segment. Uh, he is out for the season. He's already said that he wants to come back and play, but no. how, how serious do you think he is? Do you, do you think there's any chance at all that Big Ben just decides it's finally time? Let's put it this way. If Mason Rudolph shows glimmers of improvement, by the end of the season and improves as the season goes along, Ben's not playing again. If he's well, just a they, total they traded train their wreck, other uh, yeah. young quarterback uh, this earlier this season too. So, yep. So and remember, Ben didn't want any part of Mason Rudolph when he was drafted. Blah 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 blah. So yeah, the team can move on from him. They will if it's a total train wreck. Then they'll probably force Ben's hand into one more year. Well, and so when we're talking old quarterbacks, we obviously can't leave Drew Brees off the discussion. He is dealing with. A thumb injury. Uh, watching him wear that uh, protective band on his thumb over the weekend, uh, standing on the sidelines, it looked like he was moving it around every every single time. It was almost like he was using like a digit counter on his finger to to keep moving it and keep moving it, which suggests to me that maybe there's some more damage there than is actually being reported. That or that could just be something that they say do this because it's gonna like help with your rehab in a sense. I don't know. Here's what I look at it as: Drew's been phenomenal. He was already starting to fall off somewhat. I think that if you could sell Drew Brees right now in a dynasty format, you'd be foolish not to. Well, and do you think that Teddy Bridgewater is the long-term answer there? Probably not. 
Okay, and of course, the last quarterback who was slated to start the season as a starting quarterback, but decided to retire about three days before the season started, Andrew Locke. Yep. So Locke's not coming back. He's not going to be Barry Sanders. Um, but people might think that he's Barry Sanders, where we kept saying they, they, you know, people drafted Barry Sanders for it seemed like 10 years, thinking he was going to come back, right? Um, and Luck is not coming back. Br- Brissett, I still think, has upside, and he'll get more comfortable in that offense. I believe in the coach um, there, Frank Reich, and I think coaching is huge in the NFL. So, yeah, Brissett's somebody I can see if you're in a larger league or deeper league that you can roster him. is worth it in Dynasty. And in season long, he's that guy that, you know what, if you need a bi-week replacement, he's sitting there on the on the wire and he's got a good matchup. I have no problem you know, picking him up and he'll give you 12 to 15 points minimally and you're good. Well, maybe you'll be able to draft Andrew Luck in your first uh, XFL draft this coming spring. Yeah, no, he's not playing in the XFL either. Maybe Antonio Brown. <laughs> exactly. uh, no, the uh, WWE has already announced that they will not be signing Antonio Brown. But Andrew Luck has ties, family ties to the yeah, but XFL format. Th- that's just because they're not going to draft an- they're not going to draft Antonio Brown. But the player formerly lo- known as AB is a different thing, kind of like he hate me. Which I actually got a picture of a guy wearing a he hate me jersey this weekend at the Baltimore game. Well, I remember back in the day where they had a gimmick in the at the time WWF where Hulk Hogan was suspended, and all of a sudden there was a guy who showed up on the scene called Mr. America, who looked a very lot like Hulk Hogan, except for he had a luchador mask on, which only showed his eyes. He did the same poses and used the same catchphrases as Hulk Hogan, but it wasn't Hulk Hogan, it was Mr. America. I gotcha. See that? There's ways around those suspensions. Too bad A.B. didn't figure them out. Exactly. Maybe he'll learn more about it at Central Michigan. (laughs) I doubt it. Um, Yeah, I feel bad for that guy. CT, alive and well, unfortunately. All right, you know what's alive and well? DFS. You ready to get into some DFS picks? Yeah, and you know what? I think we're going to match on a few this week. We, have, we matched on a lot last week. I, I've got my number set five this week. Yeah, five this week. I really should take the under, but I'm going to say you're saying five. Five, that, that's a tough number. Um, I'm going under. Okay. Start us off. Well, I'm going to pay up. For a guy that I told you to stay away from last week, and that's Tom Brady at Washington. Brady had a tough week against a very, very good Buffalo defense. Now he gets to return to his regularly scheduled scheduled list of powder puffs. Washington has allowed three passing touchdowns to every quarterback they have faced this year, not named Daniel Jones. So on my payup, I have two names, and circled them both, then crossed one of them out, and basically it comes down to price. Um, I have Lamar Jackson down because I think that he's got to have a bounce back week. He's got his legs. It always helps him. Um, 71, 8, But yes, like you, I said, stay away from Tom Brady last week. He was putrid. This week, I think he bounces back in a big way. And I have him as the guy that I circled. So we agree. And it's mainly because he's 6,500 and 7,600. So he's a pay up that's cheaper. Well, and I think that the uh, Pittsburgh defensive back situation is getting a little bit better, too. Not they've got a couple games under their belts. Yes, and that is concerning, but that's also where I think that Lamar's legs make up for what the defense, the secondary, takes away from him. Um, but I just think Tom's a better play. We're going to see him bounce back. Okay, well, the guy I'm going to stay away from had a huge game last week, and that's Jameis Winston at New Orleans. Now, first rule of fantasy football, don't chase points. Yep. 
New Orleans defense just shut down the high-octane Cowboys offense. Plus, in seven career games versus New Orleans, Winston is averaging only 213 passing yards per game, and he has a total of only seven touchdowns during those seven games. So I'm not staying away from Jameis Winston as my stay-away player. He's probably somebody I won't, I'll shy away from. But I'm staying away from a guy that had a putrid game last week against that same team that you're staying away from with Winston, and that's Dak Prescott. But there are multiple reasons why I'm staying away. First and foremost, I know it's a home game, right? He's not cheap. He's 6000 and 8200 But Tyron Smith is not going to be there. And the Packers, their run game, their run defense is what is the Achilles heel of that defense. But no Tyron Smith, that could put some pressure on Dak. I don't think he's worth paying up for. So I'm staying away from him because of that. I actually agree. And I think the Green Bay secondary is highly considerably underrated. improved. Yes, and highly underrated. Highly underrated. J- Jair Smith is going to lock down Amari Cooper. Okay, who is your value play? My value play is a guy that will probably have extremely low ownership after his performance this past week, but I'm picking on the Cardinals. Andy Dalton, come on down. I, I almost went with that there, too. Hold on. Uh, Don't say it. I have a guy next to him, but I just can't do it. I think ooh. he's the $84 million man or something like that, but I can't go to Kirk Cousins. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I refuse to start Kirk Cousins until I see – Minnesota decided to throw the ball more than 15 times in a game. Yes. I, I'm sorry. That's just, it, it, they, they completely did a 180 from last year. They got rid of their offensive coordinator midseason last year. And basically, Mike Zimmer re- refuses to throw the ball. It, yeah. it, it's, it's abhorrent to see we have two Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers on the outside, and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and they're not getting looks at all. Because Mike Zimmer basically has set up a Randy ratio for his running game. Yep. Um, and, and also, let me just say, Dalton's at home this week, and the, the Cardinals' defense is just putrid. It, it's really, really bad. And uh, again, I'd, all the more reason to have Auden Tate on your speed dial. There you go. Okay. And I remembered the name this time. Thank you. My value play this week is going a little bit further down that price list. I'm going to take a chance on Chase Daniel at Oakland. Now, Bears fans, a lot of them might argue that Chase Daniel gives their team a better chance to win than Mitch Trubisky does. Uh, meanwhile, Oakland, they'll, they've allowed nine passing touchdowns already. And, and they made the, the aforementioned Kirk Cousins, as well as Joe Flacco, look like capable NFL quarterbacks right now. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, it's risky, um, but I can see it. And it'll, he'll probably have low ownership also. I you agree you think Dalton's going to have lower ownership after his performance this past week? It, it, it can't be that high. I, my only concern is that his price isn't low enough. Yeah, that, that was one concern I had when I picked him, honestly, but I still thought he was a value and could easily return three times, so that's why I decided to say he's my value play. Um, how about we head over to running back? What are you going to do there for the payup? Well, I'm going to pay up for David Johnson at Cincinnati. Ding, ding, ding. His price is actually still a little bit under where it should be. Yep. But the team finally found him in the passing game. Uh, since he is allowing 188 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. Plus, despite playing only three games going into Monday night, they've allowed more total running backs than more total running back touchdowns than all but two teams. 
Now, with the ones they gave up last night, they've actually moved into first, as in first worst. Yeah. Um, we agree. I, I had him, and yeah, I looked at the price. I was like, he's not really that expensive for a payup, but you know, you look at all the rest of those running backs. I didn't like looking at the the running backs um, from a salary standpoint. There's a lot for me to say. I think you stay away from this week. Um, but yeah, I thought David Johnson was a, a clear payup. Well, then we might agree on our stay away here too. I think we won't, but we might. I'm going to stay away from Elvin Kamara versus Tampa Bay. So, no, we don't agree. I did consider him. I will not deny that. I considered Christian McCaffrey. Can't deny that. Consider- I also did consider Christian McCaffrey, too. I, I, cannot, I, I cannot leave you, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll let you say why you're staying away from Kamara first before I tell you who I'm staying away from. Well, yeah, Tampa Bay did allow Todd Gurley to score twice last week. But over the spans of week two through week four, they faced the trio of Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Todd Gurley. And that threesome, they combined for a total of 160 total yards. And the only touchdowns that threesome scored during that span were the two touchdowns that Gurley got last week. So the guy that I'm staying away from, people are going to think I'm nuts because the Packers just gave up 87 yards and two touchdowns on the ground to Jordan Howard. Sanders chipped in with 11 for 72. Howard added another touchdown through the air with three for 28, right? So it's like 180-some total yards for the running backs. So how am I staying away from Zeke this week? I'll tell you how. I'm staying away from Zeke because that's how much I think Tyron Tyron Matthews, listen to me, um, Tyron means to that offense. And I just think it's a risky play with any of the Cowboys' skill positions with him not on that offensive line starting. I I can hear where you're coming from, although I will say the biggest weakness for the Green Bay defense is running backs catching balls out of the backfield. Yeah, And I think that Zeke will probably catch even more passes out of the backfield as, as Dak is under pressure. If he even has time to do that, though. I don't know. It just it scares me. Okay, who is your value play at running back? My value play is a guy I think, again, will have low ownership. He really wasn't as cheap as I would have liked to have seen him as, but... You know, he was. Everybody was expecting him to be the hit last week, and instead it was Jordan Howard. But I think Miles Sanders makes a nice value play this week. Eagles are at home. They get a Jets team. Granted, they're coming off on a bye. That Jets defense doesn't scare me at all. Well, I had actually a really hard time choosing a value play I wanted this I, week. I did too, quite honestly. There's not a lot of the cheaper talent this week that really was an obvious play. I mean, it certainly could go back to the well with Wayne Gallman again, but Minnesota's run defense is actually really, really good. Yep, I wouldn't want to call uh, that. The guy I ended up choosing was a little higher price than I normally would go with at this, but I'm going with James White at Washington. With Julian Edelman dinged up right now and Sony yeah. Michelle basically ineffective the entire season, James White was a target beast last week. Now, White should remain heavily active next week uh, against a Redskins team that, frankly, just isn't very good. That is true. So, yeah, I can see that. But I'm with you. I did not see many lower-priced guys that I liked at all this week. Yeah, Sanders is one of the guys I looked at. Again, I was just concerned about the split there with Jordan Howard, who, again, Howard is another possibility. But I think the two kind of cut into each other's looks. Yeah, that's possible. Who are you paying up for at wide receiver? Let's see if we agree here. 
Well, I, I believe this is a guy that I stayed away from last week, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. This week he gets Atlanta. Now, every number one wide receiver to face Atlanta has scored, even Corey Davis. It was a couple of years ago, but in Hopkins' only career meeting with Atlanta, the unholy Hoyer and Ryan Mellett combined to pepper him with 22 targets for nine receptions and 157 yards. If those two can target him 22 times for that many yards, I think Watson's going to look his way. So I think that's a higher-scoring game, don't you? I, I, I hope so. I, I, I predicted Atlanta to be a lot better than they've been so far this year. A lot of it is because their offensive line is absolute crap. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, no, I'd like to see some more offense out of both those teams this week. So I toyed with going as... Um, Hopkins as my payup. Instead, I'm going across the line of scrimmage and across the field to the other team, and I'm paying up for Julio Jones on a bounce-back week against a Texans team that's given up the seventh-most points to fantasy wide receivers this year. I, I did consider Julio Jones. I, I have to admit, I, I went back and forth on these, but when I when I looked at the numbers that Hoyer and Mellett threw to Andre, yeah. I, I just could not put him in my lineup as a pay-to-play. And the same thing. Hopkins coming off a relatively poor week. I think he bounces back, too. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those guys. Corey Davis scored against this team. <laughs> that, should, that alone should be reason for DeAndre to score at least twice. Okay, who are you staying away from? I think we might agree here. I'm going to stay away from Devontae Adams at Dallas. No, you can't do that. He's injured. Come on. That's Is he officially punk. injured? I, th- I thought he was just saying he has a minor case of turf toe. At least that's what the, the reporters are saying. Okay, then if you want to take that route, we're never going to agree because I definitely looked at him. He's, he's out. He's got turf toe. There's no way he's playing. Um, yeah, I'll make you pick somebody else. Pick somebody else. Okay, let me take a quick look here. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to stay away from Mike Evans this week. Okay. Uh, yes, he had a good game last week. Chris Godwin still had a better game. And guess what? Chris Godwin isn't going to get Marshawn Lattimore. Mike Evans is going to get Marshawn Lattimore. Very true. Um, both both Evans and Godwin are on ungodly paces. Um, both of them are on pace for 16 touchdowns each and a t- boatload of catches and, and yards this year. Um, no, I'm staying away from a guy that I recommended as a payup last week. He flopped. That's not why I'm staying away from him this week. It's because I think that defensively the matchup he's possibly looking at um, – isn't going to be the best for him. And that's Keenan Allen. I do expect he'll have a decent week. I don't know that you get three times value from him. Chris Harris sounds pissed off. Um, I wonder if they shadow him with Chris Harris at all. Um, but the Denver defense, yes, they lost Bradley Chubb, and it's in L.A., so what? It's never a home field advantage for them, it seems like, um, until hopefully they get in their new stadium. Um, but, yeah, at that price, I'm going to stay away from Keenan Allen this week. How about this for a trade idea? What if Denver sent Chris Harris – to Jacksonville for Jalen Ramsey. Jacksonville's not doing that. I know. <laughs> I'm hopeful Just that the Eagles two will disgruntled go. cornerbacks and send them somewhere else, right? It, Harris isn't disgruntled with the team. He's disgruntled with losing. Yeah, which is a good thing to be if you're a cornerback, I'd say. Yep, absolutely. All right, so I had trouble <clears> picking <throat> a value wide receiver also. Probably paid a little more than I would have normally liked to. Um and maybe it's dangerous with knowing who his quarterback is. That's the other part I didn't like about it. Um, but I decided to pull the trigger on Robbie Anderson. Ding, ding, ding. I didn't think there was a chance that we would match on this one, but I went with Robbie Anderson too. Nice. I mean, he's playing Philadelphia. 
Philly's secondary is just the cure that Sam Darnold would need to cure his mono if he plays. And you know what? Even if Luke Falk does get the start, he finally realized that he had Anderson on his roster two weeks ago. Plus, they've had a, a week and a half or so to, to get on the same page. Look, Kenny Galladay is the only number one wide receiver to not go absolutely ham against this defense. In that game, it didn't matter because Marvin Jones bailed out to the tune of six catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Other number one wide receivers against Philly, Terry McLaurin, week one, five catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Week two, Julio Jones, five catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. And last week, despite playing through a supposed turf toe, Devontae Adams, 10 catches for 180 yards. Devontae Adams had six catches for 107 yards in the first quarter. Robbie Anderson is game this week. Yeah. I mean, Anderson could have two catches for 86 yards and two touchdowns. That's his downside almost. Very very easily. Philadelphia's defense is absolutely a joke. I did not think we would would agree there because he's a little higher priced than what we normally would go with too. Um, But yeah, okay, good. So we're at three. Let's see what happens at tight end. Um, I have two guys. I I didn't play fair at tight end. So let's actually start at the stay away first. Who are you not playing? I'm going to stay away from Austin Hooper at Houston. Okay. You know, interestingly enough, Jacksonville, who is obviously known for having great tight ends, is the only team to successfully use their tight ends versus this defense this year. Don't chase Austin Hooper's points from last week here. He's going to have a hard time of it. And I'll tell you this. If you own Austin Hooper in season long, sell Sell. him. Sell him now. Yes. Not that he won't be solid, but sell him because you'll get get profit. So I'm saying— Sell, sell, Mortimer, sell. I'm staying away from, believe it or not, Zach Ertz against a Jets team that has given up the fewest points to Wyatt, to, I'm sorry, to the fantasy tight end position this year. Um, couple his salary with it all, and it's easy to say, I'm not paying up for that this week. You know, I seriously considered Zach Ertz for that exact same reason until I looked at the tight ends that the Jets had. Yeah, I know. know. But that's why I say the the price is more probably the one, the part that made me make my decision easier than, than that. But add that in and one plus one equals stay away. Exactly. And Dallas Goddard should be back this week too. Yeah. Well, he was back last week and he had nine nine points in some, in some formats. Okay. So here's what I did for my pay up and my value play. I have a pay up for DraftKings. And I have a pay up for FanDuel, and I have a value play for DraftKings, and I have a dra- value play for FanDuel. Interesting. Because okay. the price differentials were so different that it didn't feel right to do it just for both. So I'll tell you who my first pay up is it's Evan Ingram at $6,300 on FanDuel. Ding, ding, ding. That's only a half because I gave you two. Okay. <laughs> um, my other one is Darren Waller. On DraftKings at $5,000. That is a pretty good price for Darren Waller. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I know he's at home. I know he's playing Chicago. He's the relief valve. He's going to be, a, he'll be solid and have a nice day. But yeah, Ingram's the guy I have on top first. So I'll give you a full match for that. How's that? Okay, well, Minnesota used to be really good against tight ends. But this year they've allowed big games by both Austin Hooper and the aforementioned Darren Waller. Giants coach Pat Shermer is very familiar with Minnesota, so he should have no trouble coming up with some exotic ways to move the ball against him, including utilizing Evan Ingram, who may lose a little bit of the target share, though, now that Golden Tate is back. That is possible, and that is a slight concern. 
All right, so now value play. Um, I've got two, and the easy thing is to say Tyler Eifert or C.J. Uzoma, right, because they're playing Arizona. And that's exactly what I wrote down at first was Eifert. And I, and I can't just do it. I can't. I can't. It's not, I, I want to give somebody more. So I made Eifert my value play at FanDuel, even though he's $4,600 there. And my value play on DraftKings is Jared Cook. I, I'm not. I'm still not buying into the Jared Cook uh, there. I actually had Eifert listed as my value play, and for much the reason you're talking about Arizona, uh, my value play. If I was to choose a second one based on price at DraftKings in particular, Dawson Knox, Buffalo, Tennessee. Yeah, the the problem I have there is I don't know if Josh is going to play or not, and I don't know if I trust Barkley. Okay, well, for Tyler Eifert, just to reiterate how important it is to get him in your lineup, just keep streaming value play tight ends against the Cardinals. On the year, opposing tight end groups are averaging eight catches, 108 yards, and one and a half touchdowns per game against them. Those are wide receiver one numbers, and these are just tight ends. Five different tight ends have scored a touchdown against Arizona already. And the worst line by any number one tight end against them, well, that was last week when our favorite pick, Will Disley, you know what he finished with? He finished with the atrociously bad line of seven catches for 57 yards and a score. And that was the worst line by any number one tight end against them this year. Yep. So listen, we're, it's a push. No, no, you hit the number. We'll give you, I'm going to give you five since you had Ingram and I had him, even though it was one of two. And you said Eifert was your value play, right? Yep. I had Eifert written down too. So that gives us two at the tight end position, one at wide receiver, three. We got DJ at running back as a payup, and then Tom at quarterback. So there's your five. Ding, ding, ding. So the under misses and the over misses. You nailed it. And Vegas wins. And Vegas wins. Vegas always wins. Just remember that, people. Vegas always wins. I also try to live by another mantra. It's a market. It's an old marketing adage. Um, you, you ever see on Twitter how people run? My fantasy league's great. Whenever somebody says, who should I play? My fantasy league always retweets their stuff, and it's got player A and player B, right? Yes. I will almost invariably answer those, and I'm always on the short end of the percentages, and that makes me feel good because the marketing saying is the masses are asses. So usually if everybody's on something and I'm not, I'm happy about that. Except for tight ends against Arizona. Except for tight ends against Arizona. There you go. Um, I'll tell you what else I'd rather be wrong about, too. About following Harley on Twitter. You can follow Harley at Nuclear Harley. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Um, Of course, if you're not there yet, get there. Sign up. Pay for the content. TheHuddle.com. You get Harley's stuff. You get my IDP projections. David kills it on all the stuff he puts on the site, etc. Um, it's worth the 20 bucks or whatever it costs you. And with that, you know what? We say good luck for week five. Make sure you tune back, same back channel, and all that good stuff next week. And until then, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>